0: What's up, everybody, it's Master of the Indiana Pacers.
1: You listen to the Peace Rules Podcast. Be sure to follow up at Rules on Twitter. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Pace Podcast, the only Australian NBA podcast with a bias toward the Indiana Pacers and coming to you 3-0 after last year's 0 and 3 start. Guys, I don't know if, whether you can remember a year ago, about early November, we recorded a really sad podcast when we lost the first three games of the season. I think two of them were to Detroit. At that point, so it was a really sad start for the season. Not to be for this year. Coach Nate Bjorkgren is three and zero in his NBA career, uh, the most winningest coach in NBA history so far, which is pretty exciting. Uh, and uh, victories over the Knicks, the Bulls, and then the game that mattered, our playoff rival, the Boston Celtics. Today, uh, D'Angelo Sabonis coming up, clutch late. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon with a fantastic defensive play. Justin, I'll start with you. Uh, the first three games of the season, what have you liked so far from this uh, same Pacers team with a bit of a new look to it?
2: Yeah, it's a lot to like. Uh, I'd say the biggest thing is probably Nate Bjorker and uh, his adjustments in game, just night and day compared to Nate McMillan. You, you can tell that, like, from anyone who's watched the Pacers last year to this year, you can tell that out of timeout plays he draws up. Um, like, they were doing a box and one on Jason Tatum today. Um, which you know threw him off off pace. They they got some stops and actually um, took the lead when when they switched up defensively. So last year everyone knew what paces were going to give him on the defensive end. This year it's um yeah obviously coaches don't know what the pace is going to throw at him. So apart from the obvious, saying Sabonis, you know playing like a monster, you'd you'd have to say Nate Bjorken. Alex, it's nice to
1: have a uh, possible MVP candidate playing for us, isn't it? Dama Sabonis has been dominant.
3: And you're finally getting some media attention, eh? Hey, more posts than uh, Alex Caruso for for maybe the first time in history. So, you know the the Pacers are getting some love national media and all those people who said we're going to miss the playoffs haven't been talking too much lately, which is good to good to see as well.
1: Yeah, it's been fantastic. A really good and consistent first three games. It's really nice to see some adjust adjustments being made, as you said. The box and one Justin worked really well today. Um, I think. All of our starters have had uh, games across the first three games where they've uh, looked really good. Uh, Victor, I think, had a really good game in game two. Miles has been consistent on the defensive end. Probably hasn't found his shot yet, but uh, has looked pretty good. Brogdon's been really consistent. Uh, Warren had that game against Chicago where he obviously looked really good. and, And Domas has obviously been dominant. Uh, in all three games with a triple-double in the second game and a career high in the first one. So I think, you know, the the consistency we want to see out of this starting lineup is clearly there. Uh, remains to be seen whether it can continue, but uh, it's nice to see some adjustments being made. Uh, we won't go any further into these games because the majority of this episode is going to be dominated by uh, our second interview in as many weeks, guys. We've uh, had another special guest come on the podcast Justin, do you want to introduce this guy and, and just talk a bit about uh, the process of getting him on the podcast and what he's up to these days and how that ties into, I guess, where
2: we are in the world? Yeah, definitely. Um, I've always been a big advocate of getting Donald Sloan on the podcast because, you know, we always try and tie in our Australian fan base to the Indiana fan base that the to the podcast, which obviously it's very few and far between who we can actually get to tick off boxes of Australian and Pacers, there's a very small, small amount of people in the world that have that connection. So Donald Sloan actually plays in my hometown, Adelaide 36ers now. Um, So he's currently in quarantine in Sydney. I think today's his last day and he's um, getting ready for the NBL season. So yeah, we went back and forth over some messaging. Um, He was super keen to do it, gave us great answers. I'm sure Alex can go into it more. The interview was a lot better than I expected. He gave a lot of information that I never knew about the Pacers teams of the Eastern Conference finals and um, yeah it's definitely a great listen
1: and uh, guys I was on the flight from hell yesterday from Launceston <laughs> Tasmania through to Melbourne we, uh, we had some wild weather so uh, Justin, Alex we were able to get a, a replacement in uh, to help do the interview that was uh, completely overqualified to be there but uh, did a fantastic job Alex do you want to introduce uh, the special guest host for this uh, interview
3: yeah massive shout out to uh, our man Tom Hirsch who's a fellow Pacers fan from from Melbourne lives near me so that's pretty cool to see but uh he's a a amazing cover of the NBL he's got way more knowledge than I'm sure all of us three combined so he was a great get and as Justin alluded to uh you know Donald gave some amazing answers um he went way more in depth than than we thought and there's a great soundbite about Lance in there so you guys are going to love this episode
1: yeah, it's crazy. I uh, obviously hadn't heard the interview until you guys sent it to me after it was conducted and uh, the Lance answer or more specifically the Evan Turner answer, I mm. think was the one that uh, that caught my eye, uh, that made my eyes go pretty wide. It's crazy. I think KP uh, the other week gave us some, some great responses and some information that we weren't expecting. Uh, Donald Sloan backed that up in spades. I think he was fantastic. So, Uh, Without further ado, we'll uh, now play the interview between the Paceroos and Donald Sloan. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, uh, also across the podcast media platforms: Spotify, Apple Music, Stitcher, uh, wherever you get your podcasts and social media at the Paceroos on Twitter and Instagram. This is the Paceroos with Donald Sloan.
2: Welcome back to the Pacers Podcast, and today we actually have two very special guests. We've got uh, Tom Hirsch filling in for Adam, who is a journalist for the NBL. Welcome, Tom.
4: Hey, Justin. Thanks for having me. Great to uh, finally be with you guys, talking Pacers uh, with fellow Aussies. I'm glad that I found you guys, and you're doing a great job, and um, happy to be here today.
2: No worries. Thanks, sir. And a very special guest, which we're thrilled to have, is former Indiana Pacer... <laughs> and current Adelaide 36er from our hometown, Donald Sloan. Welcome to the Paceroos. Yeah, Happy to be here, guys. Happy to be here. Good man, good man. How are you joining Australia? We are just chatting before the show. You're currently in 13th day of quarantine in Sydney.
0: Yes, yeah, uh, I'm actually happy to finally be here. You know, um, it's been... Um, a lot of uncertainty with, um, you know, when the league would start and uh, pushing back the dates and, um, you know, actually getting me over here uh, originally, you know, like I said, I was supposed to be here uh, beginning of November. But, um, of course, with everything that was been going on in the world, um, you know, they pushed for a later start date. So that pushed my, you know, time of coming over back a little bit. But, uh, you know, finally, finally here. So glad to be here, you know.
3: Yeah, and you've obviously uh, played all over the world. You've played in China, played in Germany, uh, Philippines, I believe. So, you know, what excites you the most about playing here in Australia? And did you know anything about the NBL before signing with the 36ers? Yeah,
0: uh, actually, um, over the past, during all those times, uh, I think, actually, I take that back. Um, When I actually signed with Indiana, that's when I kind of took notice of uh, the NBL. Because I think that's when um, Josh Childress was over here. I think he was the big signing that everybody paid attention to that, uh, you know, came over, you know, NBA player, uh, statue of that nature. So I kind of took notice back in 2013 about this league, but over the course of the years, uh, I've had numerous of, uh, opponents, numerous teammates that have came over here and, um, you know, spent time here, you know, throughout their career. And that being Carrick Felix, DJ Kennedy, Jerome Randall, Shannon Shorter, uh, you know, uh, Casper Ware, uh, Bryce Cotton, for sure, As we all, you know, we're familiar with that. And, you know, so I've always paid attention to it. And um, just knowing that it's a real competitive league, you know, like I said, I spent a lot of time in the Philippines. I spent a lot of time in China, for sure. And comparing it to Australia, there's a different style of basketball. And you know I'm ready to own in on that because I know it's not gonna be uh not gonna be a cakewalk as uh what's the guy uh homicide as he says yeah. yeah it's not a cupcake league. not a cupcake and league. that, and, yeah. that, and, that <laughs> and that I know and that I know for sure just by guys that I know that have came over here and played and the numbers that they've averaged and the numbers that they've had and the difficulty that they've had of adjusting to the league it's a greedy league you know it's a it's a hard nosed league just think of um uh, uh, a lot of Delaware Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, a lot of, a lot of those type of guys, you know? Uh, so I'm really looking forward to it. Like I said, I've always been a guy that uh, accept challenges. Um, you know, it played with a chip on my shoulder. I always wanted to prove, you know, even going to the Pacers, uh, and a lot of people wondering, you know, how and why, but, and I've always been at a guy, so I always want to prove. So, you know, what other better way to do it than coming here and doing that? Great. Um, Donald,
4: one of your teammates this season with Adelaide um, is going to be the first Australian under the Next Stars program. Um, someone who's already getting a bit of first-round draft buzz for next year's NBA draft um, and being talked about as a bit of a rare talent, you know, his combination of his size, his skill, and his playmaking. I'm obviously talking about Josh Giddy. So, mm-hmm. so what do you know about Josh? You know, have you spoken to him? And I guess what kind of mentoring role do you expect to play with him this season, given that he wants to get to where you've been in the past?
0: Oh, man, he's uh, his his future is um, his future is bright. You know, I think um, his style of play, uh, his length, you know, his skill set, ability to play, make, and pass. And there's no doubt in my mind that he won't be in the NBA next year. Um, and that's just seeing um, – you know, film from uh, practice, uh, film from the couple preseason games that they've had. Like his mentality isn't, uh, it isn't a kid. Like he's uh, he's 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 far along to where I think he's ready for that next step. And of course, you know, he has to take care of business here and now. And we're not thinking too far along. But if if, if it was up to me, it as a no-brainer that you know he's going to be the next level. And so for me, coming into the situation. You know, there's no it's not competition. It's not. It's, it's 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 letting him know that I know where you're going next. And I want to help you be able to transition into that role, you know, whether, you know, it's communication, whether it's showing you by doing, whether it's showing you through film, whether it's uh, being tough on you and letting you know this is what to expect on the next level type thing. And I and we've talked a lot. You know, he's actually been one of the guys, him and Daniel Dillon and uh, Brandon Taze, have been a few guys that have uh, kind of locked in with me since I've been in quarantine, even when I signed, you know, even back home, you know, they've kind of reached out. And he for sure has reached out a lot, kind of, you know, picking my brain and staying in contact because he knows the relationship that we're going to have to have you know, for us coexisting on the court, because like you say, he's a great playmaker. You know, he's a skilled guy. You know, he has length. So for him, you know, he he fits in that system of the NBA today, where the you know guys that are interchangeable in positions one through four, and you know, he knows that. And so I think uh, the way that he's been reaching out and kind of open-minded about it, and you know, you know, coming to me, is uh, it's been great. You know, he's doing the right things. You know, I think he's, I think he realizes that what's next for him,
4: so. Yeah, well, I'm not surprised to hear that. He comes from a great basketball family. His dad was a pro in the NBL for years. I know his dad quite well, so, you know, mm-hmm. he's, he's got good people around him, and he's definitely mm-hmm. headed in the right path. That's great yeah. to hear that you guys are already in touch. Um, one, of your, one of your former Pacer teammates, Orlando Johnson, is actually going to be in the league this year as well with the Brisbane
0: Bullets. Have you guys yeah. talked
4: at all in the lead up to you both coming out here and you know kind of we, what to expect this season?
0: We have. Uh funny thing about it is, is uh when I first signed, um, you know, and this is uh you know a credit to, you know, either my resume or just me being or them thinking that I know anything about basketball. You know, they uh, you know, coach and Coach Connor and uh, you know, Jeff, they came to me and asked uh, you know, who 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 do you think would be a good fit, you know, for us? Who do you think would be a good pairing with you, with this team, that, um, you know, could possibly help us, you know, do the things that we want to do? And, of course, we have Tony Crocker. That's mm-hmm. who we want. That's who we have. And we're going to do amazing things. And But just a short list of players that I gave him, he was on that list. Orlando Johnson was one of the guys that I recommended um, that we take a look at, you know, that we – you know, kind of see, you know, what's going on there. Because I know the type of player he is, you know, spending time with him in Indiana, knowing his journey, you know, knowing that he's that similar player, you know, had to, had to work his way in, had to earn it, you know, had to find a way to prove himself night in and night out. Uh, even in Indiana, you know, being an NBA player already. So, yeah, that's that's my guy. I've talked to him a uh, uh, quite a bit, actually, like I say, when they asked me uh, – you know, who, what short list of players that I had in mind, you know, that could be a wing running mate. He was one of the guys that I, that I mentioned to them. And, uh, you know, it's fortunate and unfortunate that, uh, you know, he's going to Brisbane and not with us, but um, even while he's been in quarantine over the past, actually 20 days, cause he had to re-quarantine, um, you know, we've stayed in contact, you know, we've talked while he's at his hotel and I'm at mine and expectations yeah. this year and, you know, just just different things, but um, yeah, that's that's, that's going to be a sight to see because I know the type of player he is. I know uh, how hungry he is, and I know, um, and I know that type of chip that he plays with in wanting to prove himself. You know, night in and night out. Well, you know, Jeff used to be with uh, with Brisbane, so I wonder if
4: maybe he put in a good word for for Orlando up there, and that's how he ended up there. But it's it's great that he's coming to the league either way. So, nice, yeah.
2: sweet. Um, you've got a bit of a two part. Question: Donald, uh, speaking more about NBA and your NBA journey, you've played with some great teammates. Um, I had a look. You know, Anthony Davis, Kyrie Irving, Paul George. Who's who would you say is the most talented player you've played with? And then who's who's the toughest player you've ever had to guard on the court?
0: That's tough uh, because you just named three <laughs> of the best, three of possibly the top ten players um, in the NBA. Got to
2: choose one, Donald. Got to choose gotta one. Choose
0: one. I got to choose one. <laughs> Uh, I would have to. That's tough. I would have to say at at this point, at this point in their careers, I would probably have to say Anthony Davis, just because of his um, versatility. You know, just because of uh, the way the game is played uh, now, opposed to even five years ago. So I would probably have to say Anthony Davis. Kyrie is special. Paul George is special. You know, he he's. He did go through a little rough pass, but I think now we're seeing playoff p. You know, I think now we're seeing, um, Indiana Pacer, Paul George, you know, I think, you know, um, so, you know, and, and that happens, you know, the game of basketball is, um, it's up and down, you know, you can shoot a thousand shots the night before a game and go into the game the next day and miss everything. So, um. You know, Paul George is playing like Paul George that that we all know at this point in the season, Where it's pretty early. But so all those guys are special. And, um, you know, I would probably have to say Anthony Davis. But for me, the toughest guy that I have to guard, <laughs> you know, everybody is special, but either Lillard or Drogic. Mm. Oh, really? Know. That's,
2: that's yeah. something different.
0: Yeah, I. it's weird because, you know, sports sports guys and, you know, players, you get a sense of what guys are allowed to do. You know, you get a sense of, okay, I'm not worried that he's going to do too much. I'm not worried that, you know, okay, with Lillard and Kyrie, C.J. McCollum, you're always on guard. When they have the ball in their hand or even when it's not in their hand, you always have to make sure you know where they are, what they're doing. Because at any time, you know, the shot is going up. But for somebody like me, there may have been five or six or seven shots a game that I, they knew I would probably get. So they weren't too pressed on, you know, making sure that I wasn't, you know, trying to do anything offensively. And so that allowed them to rest a little bit on defense. That allowed them to be a little bit more aggressive on offense. And, man, when I tell you Lillard and Dragic. <laughs> they smelt that from the beginning of the game. They, it, it just was, it was tough to guard them. And like I said, they're special players and they're very talented. And um, it's a different feeling when you have that green light.
3: <laughs> I want to take it over to our social media because you're obviously pretty notorious for your, your famous I'm up tweets. Well, so can you talk to us a little bit about how those came about and uh, what the meaning is behind them?
0: To be to be quite honest, uh, I actually saw um uh, what's the guy's name? He's one of three brothers. He's an actor. Uh what show is that? <laughs> I can't even remember the guy's name, but he's he's a famous actor. And he literally tweeted, I'm up every every day. And I noticed that, and I'm like, why is he doing that? And his backstory was you know, it's time for me to get to my set. It's time for me to get to. And so I kind of took that and was like, I'm up, you know, and now it's time for me to get the work. It's time for me to get better. It's time for me to prove why I'm here. It's time for me to. So every morning I literally tweeted, I'm up for maybe a year. or So to just let everybody know, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm at it. I'm, I'm working, you know, I'm, you know, I don't do a lot of videos. I don't do a lot of showing my workouts. I don't do a lot of, I'm in the gym doing this. It's not necessary. One simple tweet of I'm up, and this is before I had Instagram, one simple tweet of I'm up will let you know Sloan is up and ready to go. And so that kind of carried over into my second year in Indiana when we had a lot of injuries, you know, when we had a lot of, um, you know, ailments, you know, throughout the year, next man up, as Frank Vogel would say. And, you know, it was my time. I'm up, you know, I'm ready, you know. And so it kind of just led me to keep doing it as uh, the year progressed and, you know, it, it caught on, you know. And so I think now with sitting out a whole year, almost playing three games in during last year, of course, um, I'm going to get back to that because at some point, um, you know, people forget, you know, people forget about you, um, people disregard. And so, you know, this is a year for me to uh, prove again, you know, the resume goes out the window, you know, I guess I played in the NBA. Yes, I, done this yes i've done that but at this point it's um it's just about solidifying the reason why i was in those places
4: um donald the the nba game has obviously changed a bit since since you were in the league but especially since you're with those paces teams and you know earlier this mm-hmm. decade or sorry last decade um mm-hmm. you know there's much more focus these days on spacing on volume three point shooting every team has stretch bigs now Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in the NBL, it's not quite the same. It hasn't quite shifted as much, but it's heading in the same direction in terms of style of play and the focus on those mm-hmm. things. How has your game had to adjust over the years, you know, as as the game has evolved in that kind of direction?
0: Well, that's a, that's a pretty good question and statement, actually, because um, I've noticed that over the past few years. I've, uh, I've said to a lot of my friends, you know, who, yeah, man, you know, you can get back in it, you know, you can, you know, one of these teams need to pick you up and, you know, you have your supporters and you have your uh, your team around you and things like that. And I'm just like, well, you know, my style of play and the way that the NBA has played these days is, is a little different, you know, and that's, you know, that's fine. But now being that it has changed, I found myself shooting a lot more threes, mm-hmm. you know, than I have, you know, been accustomed to. And, uh, you know, like I say, I've, I've never been known as a shooter, but, for some reason over the past three, four years, that's what I've become and that's what I've worked on just because I know the game has changed. It's about spacing. It's about, um, link, you know, it's about shooting fast, uh, playing faster, quicker, you know? And so like you say, the BL isn't at that point yet like the NBA where they're shooting at the first five seconds of the shot clock, but I'm pretty sure it's, it's, it's going to get there. But for me, I think being able to do both, being able to run the team, you know, run the offense, Uh, Get quality shots, uh, not just uh, quantity uh, shots. Uh, You know, just doing the things that the game has really been centered around. You know, over years. You know, not just the past five years. You know, just doing those things. Um, So I try not to focus on, you know, getting a getting a shot up within the first ten seconds. I kind of focus on creating a great shot within the twenty-four seconds. And so with the NBL. You know, it's, it's, it's a, uh, it's a gritty league, you know, it's competitive. Um, you know, guys are picking up 94 feet, you know, like I say, that Della Dova style of uh, mm-hmm. basketball. And um, mm-hmm. like I say, I'm ready to embrace it. You know, like I say, it's uh, it'll be different for me play, being that over the past few years, I've been in China and the style of basketball there, you know, it's very different than anywhere else, you know, in the, um, you know, in the world. And like I say, I've spent a little time in the Philippines, and it was even, you know, a little bit more consistent there than in China. But um, my natural style of play is NBL, you know, that gritty, you know, set the tone, set the pace, um, move it around, attack, attack the rim, attack plays to create, you know, that style, that's, that's my style. So I think it's almost like coming home.
2: Yeah, nice. And we we actually had um Kevin Pritchard on the podcast last week and he gave us some really good stories about a previous teammate of yours and obviously we are a fan podcast we get a lot of emails and messages about this guy so I want to want to run this past you and see if you got any good stories for us or um yeah. just talk talk about his game and that's Lance Stevenson. <laughs> <laughs> the, the stories that we can put to air as well Donald. It is a family-friendly show. Yeah.
0: I, okay, so <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if he'd be okay with me telling the story because it was the it was the wrong time. It was the timing was bad for all of this. But yeah, if you're asking for a story of Lance Stevenson, it's not funny, but I will tell you. So uh, my first year in Indiana, uh, we started out pretty hot really hot um you know we were picked to win we were actually picked to win the east you know even over brun and them just because we had taken them to uh seven games a year before and the way that the season was going you know we were number one they were i think at that point number two or three so they still had some catching up to do uh eventually you know of course they finished two we finished one but during the midst of that season, we started out hot, started out, you know, like I say, one of the hottest teams in any base. So did Portland, you know, Portland was one of the best teams in the West at that time with LaMarcus, with Batum, with of course, Lillard and company. But, um, so we get to, um, maybe around, um, February. And for some reason it just, it starts to shift. Like we kind of lose our mojo. We kind of, Drop a few games, you know. Those are dog days. You know, it's cold, snowy, consistently practicing, game after game, We're traveling. So the dog days, dog days hit, and, and that's a real thing. So we dropped a couple games, and I don't know if that's the reason why we made, uh, you know, a little change in the middle of the season. Because at that point, we uh, we traded away uh, Granger. I don't know if he went to Philly or where. We um we traded away. Um, I think we released Orlando Johnson. Yeah. Um. We ended yeah. up picking up. We ended up picking up Bynum. We ended up picking up Evan Turner. Mm. We ended up picking up Lavoy Allen. And so we're still making our way through, you know, the rest of the season. And of course, there was a little animosity between the new guys and the guys who had already been solidified in their roles being Lance, of course. So Evan Turner's coming in, you know, he's, he's who he is. Um, and then, you know, they heads ahead, little, butt a heads a little bit. And, you know, that's, as to be expected with two, you know, um, two emotional dominant guys, you know, they just, you know, they think the world of themselves and they're great guys, great players, but you know, it's the ego, the egos were there. So we're dealing with that. We've dropped a few games. And uh, we're going into the playoffs. First round, we see Atlanta. And we're prepping. We're prepping for Atlanta. The first game, actually. We haven't even played a game in the playoffs yet. Play Atlanta in the first round. We end up winning, of course, playing Wizards. And then, of course, seeing Miami Eastern Conference Finals. But as we're prepping for Atlanta, and people would ask, wow, how did the Pacers struggle with Atlanta in the first round? Like, they took us to seven and that the practice before the game the last practice before the first round of the playoffs we were practicing and it's pretty competitive practice and um lance and evan you know they start kind of chirping at each other and going back and forth and i don't know what happened but evan pushes lance lance lashes out and grabs evan by the neck, scratches his neck. And of course, he's not trying to scratch him, but he grabs him. And as Evan, you know, pulls away, he scratches his neck. Of course, we all break it up, you know, hey, chill, you know, you know, it was like I said, it was competitive practice. It's one of them, you know, we're getting ready for the playoffs. You know, this is the type of tone we're trying to set. You know, we want to show guys we're a tough team, as, you know, Indiana teams always are tough teams. Scratches his neck. Evan leaves the court walks through the tunnel and says, I quit. I'm not coming back tomorrow. Y'all play whoever the hell y'all want to play tomorrow. And everybody's like, what the hell is going on? Like, wait, what? We need you to play, bro. Like, what's? And of course, Lance is just sitting there smiling and laughing (laughs) through the whole thing. He's unbothered. Like, he's really just like laughing at the whole thing. But everybody else is like, wait, no, nah, bro, like, Evan, you need to come back. We got to finish practice, one. Two, what do you mean you quit? Like, no, you need, we, we have to – no, we have to – we got to get this under control before the game tomorrow. We're starting the playoffs tomorrow. So, to me, that was funny because, of course, we ended up handling business and taking care of Atlanta. And it took seven, though. And it shouldn't have took, taken seven, but we had a lot of things going on going into the playoffs that year. And like I say, there's a lot of other funny stories with Lance. But that, to me, was one of the funniest ones because he literally grabs this man or tries to grab him by the neck. And, of course, he pulls back and Lance has these nails and he scratches scratches his neck up. And Evan is like, I'm not coming back. I quit. How you, how you? Look at my neck. You know, how am I supposed to come back playing in this? Because he got scratched up pretty bad. And, uh, of course, the next day, Evan shows up at the locker room. It's all love. And we go out and play Atlanta. And, you know, the rest is history, you know.
3: And just to finish up, uh, on that team, I know you've talked about in the past, Dan Burke's been one of your many mentors. And obviously, (laughs) he's not with the Pacers anymore, but he was with them for a long time. So what was uh, Dan Burke like? And how much was the focus on defense, especially that year?
0: Oh man, uh Dan Burke is special. Uh that's my guy. Um without without Dan, I don't think I I don't think I come back the I don't think I come back the second year. You know, he was so heavily influenced, you know, in the room, you know, in the war rooms with making decisions. You know, KP is of course the GM uh Larry, of course the president and, you know, those guys are making decisions. But, you know, of course, Frank Vogel is the coach. But Dan, he he held a lot of weight, um, you know, in those rooms, in those talks with, you know, who's going to help us, who can't help us. And he saw me as one of the guys that who could help the team. And at some point, he was like, you know, Sloan's going to be a guy that's going to help us. I don't know how. I don't know when. We're going to use him sparingly. But at some point, he's going to be a guy. And, it's, of course, it ended up paying off. Uh, the next year when we were dealing with a lot of the injuries and I'm seeing a lot of minutes and they comfortable with me being the guy that's running the show that all came through him. And I really appreciate him for that. And I talk to him every now and again. And even when I went to Brooklyn and different things like that, I'd meet up with him at center court and we talk, but he led, he led our defense, All the Roy Hibbert um, straight ups and the way that we communicated and the way that we ran our, um, our system and was in sync. It was it was all him, you know. I, I give you know Vogel a lot of the credit as well, but Dan was special for for the Pacers, and he's going to be special for the Seventy Sixers as well.
4: Donald, those, those Pacers teams really kind of changed the game at that time. For so a lot of the things you just spoke about, that defensive focus, the verticality, that team kind of believing in each other, not relying on any superstar. And you guys had success, you know, you contended for
0: a couple of years there. What are your greatest memories of those teams? Man, just uh just the togetherness. Um I've been on a lot of different teams around the world, whether it was G League, whether it was college, whether it was AU, Germany, Philippines, uh China, um, I haven't experienced Australia yet, but um just um just how that team was well, like, put, like, well put together. Like, they got the right pieces for the right system that they was trying to, I guess, trying to fulfill because there was no egos, you know, outside of what I just said with when we made some trades and, you know, but outside of that, everybody was bought in. You know, whether David West had 10 points one game or whether he had 25 the next game, he didn't care. Whether PG, of course, who was our superstar, whether he had 35 points in the game or whether he had 15 the next, he didn't care. You know, same with Lance. You know, Lance is the flashy one on the team, but, you no, know, he didn't care whether he had 10 points or whether he had 18. So it just kind of trickled down from I'm going to do my job and whatever is needed this game, that's what I'm going to do. Even George Hill, you know, he – second year after he came back from his injuries and, uh, you know, got back in the lineup, he had games where he had 35, 40, you know, 25, 20 – But nobody saw George Hill as an offensive threat like that. He's capable. And that was the thing with the team. Everybody's capable, but we're going to do what the team needs at this point in time to get the W. And that's what everybody thought. You know, C.J. Watson, Scola, Hibbert, of course. Like, he's in all-star center with that, you know, um, Mount Rushmore defense of the straight up. You know, so – Everybody did what it what what was uh needed for us to win. And that's and that was like I say, until I got there, I didn't realize that because even in college, you know, we didn't play like that. You know, in AU we didn't play like everybody was out for theirs, everybody was trying to impress, you know, everybody's trying to prove. Um, and those different type of things. But on that team, it was you know, our sacrifice, you know, hey, this game, I, you know, I may not be able to score much, but I'm going to create, I'm going to play defense. I'm going to help rebound. You know, I'm going to defend, I'm going to get deflections, you know, and just different type of things like that. And it really made me open my eyes on, I don't always have to be an offensive threat for us to win. And so that's kind of like carried over to my basketball life since then, since 2013. And so that's why now my approach to everything is, I'm not telling you I'm about to go get 30 a game or try to get 25 a game or 20. I'm going to do what's needed. It may not be my game offensively, you know. It may not be my game as far as getting in the paint, you know. So I'm not going to force that. You know, I'm not going to force trying to shoot threes. I'm not going to force trying to be a passer this game. You know, I may need to score this game. You know, so and that's just how that kind of opened my eyes on that level, which is the NBA. You know, that's the highest level where guys want to reach. You know, I want to go to NBA and things like that. So guys doing it on that level and our superstars in Paul George, Hibbert, you know, Lance, things like that, they took that that type of approach to the game. And so they kinda of rubbed off on me to see that, you know, it's not always about scoring. It's always it's not always about the numbers. It's what how can you affect the game? And so like i t I'll tell a lot of guys that now. Like they'll come to me, oh man, you're gonna what are you gonna average twenty, you average what are you? I'm gonna do whatever my team needs me to do. You know, and that's whether it's running the show, whether it's being a playmaker, whether it's attacking downhill, whether it's being a catch and shoot guy, whatever it is, that's what that's what I need to do.
3: As uh, as homicide would say, it's uh, about doing it by committee, isn't it? So uh, uh we'll we'll wrap it up there, though, Donald. Mm-hmm. We appreciate you coming on the show; it means a lot. Good luck with the thirty oh, yeah, no sixes problem. this season. Uh, we'll be we'll be tuning in for sure. Appreciate you. All
0: right, thank you, man. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it.
1: And there it was, the interview with Donald Sloan and the Paceroos, Evan Turner. I quit, Justin. How'd you feel when Donald Sloan dropped that info?
2: Well, yeah, well, if you actually watched it on YouTube, you would have probably seen all me and Alex's uh, and Tom's eyes light up and probably, like, gasp because i no one knew that. You know, Indy, Indy Stars reported that fight with Lance Stevenson and Evan Turner. Some players have come out in, in the past and said, oh, it was nothing, it was a little scuffle. But to hear, you know, the scratch marks and... Um, that I quit, storming out of practice, Lance laughing in his face. Like, wow, that was so interesting. Heated, heated. I think, Alex,
1: it just, uh, I don't know about you, but every time they talk about that season and the moves that were made, just get a little bit sad because of what could have been if we'd probably just stood Pat, don't you?
3: Yeah, 100%. I mean, <laughs> he talked about that a little bit. You know, they were, they were going insanely well to start the season. Then all of a sudden, they just started dropping games. Uh, in the back half of the year so as a Pacers fan that that year brought a lot of pain because of the trade for obviously Danny Granger leaving the team and then Evan Turner didn't work out Bynum didn't work out it was just a disaster second half of that year
1: it's amazing some sort of pundits around the media say oh you know one player doesn't make a team but One player can clearly break a team or one move can clearly break a team. You take Danny Granger off that team, you put Evan Turner on that team. And all of a sudden, you don't really have the leadership that you had before. Evan Turner is known to be a little juvenile in the way that he approaches the game and a little bit quirky in his personality. He's an acquired taste, I think I'd probably describe him as. And it was clear that the move for leadership out and youth and exuberance in just didn't pay off. We sort of all said that at the time, but... You can't question Larry Bird. He did go all in. I think we've spoken about that with KP and that at least he went all in. But Justin, I think you just can't underestimate Danny Grange's importance to that locker room. And I think whenever anyone talks about losing a leader, um, that's that's when alarm bells have to start ringing about any contender
2: in any year. Yeah, you're right. I think David West has come out and said as soon as Danny Grange was traded, he knew they weren't going to do anything um, serious. So um, yeah, it was such a pity. But... You know, I'll, again, we've mentioned on the podcast, I'll never regret Larry Bird for what he did. You know, if Andrew Bynum worked out to be back up to Roy Hibbert or coming off the bench, if Evan Turner worked out over an unhealthy Danny Granger, um, we could have won the championship, but they just didn't work out. And unfortunately, you know, it's all hindsight, isn't it? It is. Uh, now looking forward to the next couple of games. We've got the Celtics again
1: in two days time uh, by the time you see this the next day. Uh, and then the Cavaliers on new year's day. So there's a real chance that if we can get over the Celtics again, uh, that we can start the season five and zero. Alex, what uh, chance do you give us against the Celtics after what was a pretty heartbreaking loss for them today?
3: I think if Vic comes back, I don't see why we can't beat him again. Obviously, um, I'm still waiting for, for Miles to start hitting his threes. Justin Holiday struggling from three. So there's some things that can go the paces way. Obviously, the Celtics, the same can happen on their end. So you never know. They're a great team. Jason Tatum is unbelievable. Clearly one of the best players in the East and the league. So they're going to have their hands full, but I think they can pull it out.
1: Justin, any concerns with the Celtics, but more to the point the Cavaliers and the Knicks thereafter, is there a chance of a, uh, if we come across the Celtics twice in a row... Uh, is there a chance of a
2: danger game against the Cavs? Oh, for sure. Definitely. I mean, Cavs just beat Philadelphia today. They, they kick, kick their bottom. So um, yeah, Cavs are dangerous. I think that, um, you know, they can beat anyone. So yeah, I think I didn't expect the Pacers to win, uh, beat Celtics today. So I was pretty surprised. Definitely no Oladipo. Hopefully we get Oladipo back for the next game, but um, yeah, I mean, we're three and I did not expect that. I don't think the Pacers organization expected that. they been preaching how it's going to be a slow build this year we're going to drop early games but we want to be ready for the playoffs but you know what a start to the season um and there's like alex mentioned there's so many players that can play better Hol- uh, holidays play bad both the holiday brothers um doug mcdermott's played pretty well but miles hasn't found his shot there's this tj warren's been off and on you know we, we can still get a lot better which is really exciting
1: yeah, there's a lot of room for growth. Uh, Alex, can you just put a parental advisory on this episode for Kick Their Bottoms by Justin there? I think it was, you know, I'm, uh, I'm concerned that kids are listening, Justin. Just be careful. Uh, guys, we'll wrap it up there. <laughs> subscribe to our YouTube channel, subscribe to our podcast across Apple and Spotify and across social media at the Paceroos on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I hope to bring you more content in the new year. Happy New Year. Uh, And hopefully 2021 is a lot better than 2020. This has been the Pace Room Podcast.